At night I can't sleep, I toss and turn Candlesticks in the dark, visions of bodies being burned Four walls closing in, getting bigger I'm paranoid sleeping with my finger on the trigger My mother's always stressing I ain't living right But I ain't going out without a fight See every time my eyes close I start sweating and blood starts coming out my nose It's somebody watching the act But I don't know who it is so It I'm is DFS the- MVP, Holden Kushner Alongside the director of DFS for 444.com TJ Hernandez TJ was that Bushwick Bill and the Ghetto Boys? <laughs> yeah, mind playing tricks on me from the 1991 album, We Can't Be Stopped. Uh, this is the second week in a row we have a 1991 album, so we've been throwing it way, way back the last you know, couple weeks. Some basketball players might lie and put an inch on their on their height. Bushwick yeah. Bill was listed at three foot eight. I don't know if Bushwick Bill was actually three foot eight, though, but... He also made a, a wonderful Maybe appearance. Maybe he took an inch on- off to really, really <laughs> drive it home. That's good. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a terrific point you make, TJ. He was, he was great in uh, uh, Stranded on Death Row on Dr. Dre's The Chronic album. Absolutely oh, wonderful. Yeah. Probably my favorite uh, hip-hop album of all time and my favorite track from my favorite hip-hop album of all time. Anyways, we got a DFS MVP Spotify playlist, and this is obviously on it. Yeah, all of the intro songs from the the greatest intro music in the history of podcasting uh, found on the Spotify playlist. Just search DFS MVP on Spotify or go to my Twitter. I'm always tweeting it out along with the podcast. So if you need some uh, lineup building music, which is right around the corner, week one next week, uh, it's a good good tracks to listen to. All right, so here's what we got. We've done such in-depth uh, game theory stuff. We got everything we haven't gotten to and more. Um, I, you wrote a great article that I just got through yesterday on the DraftKings bonus and the effects of the DraftKings bonus. We'll get into that. We'll get into weather and how that affects games. And then, and fantasy players, of course, we'll get into injuries and also some guys that have been just rising up the board, guys that you didn't even have any eyes on in the D in the DraftKings and the FanDuel lineups. And all of a sudden you're starting to scroll down now and you're seeing guys at like 4,500, 4,000 before the, before we even started doing this show, I guess the, the first show we, before we did the first show, you're like, somebody's going to go down some type of big time running backs and go down. You'll have a free square that just hasn't happened. Thank God. But you know, the major Darius, I mean, guys went down, but the big name running back ones have not gone down. Thank God. Right. But you're not getting that free square that way. Yeah, we haven't seen any, and, and there's a there's a couple guys that have been rising the ranks through preseason, like you mentioned. Uh, so we want to talk about them because next week when we do our our week one show, we'll be talking about our favorite plays. But uh, some of these guys we we might not be able to get to, so we just want to touch on them. Maybe some min price guys, like you said, there's just no min price guys right now. So maybe some guys to consider uh, that yep. that we won't get to. Couple guys that uh, are on our list there. DFS MVP promo, twenty five percent off. It's not too late. Get in now, so you're ready for Week One. The DFS hub is spectacular. Again, before I hopped on with Four for Four, started working with you guys. I was a subscriber, and it's I, I just got a uh, email from Luis Escalante asking me to re up my subscription. <laughs> yeah, I get those two still. <laughs> That's proof. That's proof that we were subs before we started working there. So it's not just all talk. We were really subs before we started working at four four. That's a great point. DFS MVP promo, twenty five percent off. Uh, rate and review. We got the T shirt giveaway. TJ, tell them about that. Yeah, go on iTunes. If you give us five stars and give us a nice review, uh, you'll be entered into a drawing to win a very soft, very comfortable, very sporty, which everybody was tweeting out the nice four for four t-shirts uh, during their draft in, during National Draft Weekend. So thanks for all that love. But if you want one, uh, leave a five star review. Uh, this week's winner is Holston351. Sounds very close to Holden. So I don't know if I subconsciously chose that. Holston351, uh, shoot me a message on Twitter at TJ Hernandez. I'll hook you up with the details on how to get a free 444 t-shirt let's get into the dk bonus the effects of the dk bonus and again it's a great article on 444 written by tj but we'll kind of outline it here without giving you all the article away but what's the dk bonus you know if someone's just getting into playing DraftKings, what is it tj yeah, I mean, I think one thing that, that people tend to overlook a lot is uh, scoring system, whether it be 
daily fantasy or their home league. Uh, it's, it should be the first thing that you know, but a lot of people just kind of look for these players, player values or, or good games to target and overlook some of these nuances. And uh, on DraftKings, for those that haven't played before, we have the, the bonuses for yardages. So quarterbacks, 300 yards, any rushing or receiving uh, total of 100 or more yards, you get a three-point bonus. And and that has a direct impact on not only scoring, but how we should be thinking about uh, player selection, specifically in tournaments where we're looking for that upside. And there are some nuances that change in terms of how often these players hit value because of this bonus. So what I did is I went through and uh, went through all of the players that hit 300 yards passing or 100 yards rushing or receiving last year just to see what the differences were between the sites in terms of hitting those value milestones. All right, so let's let's get into this right now with all the milestones. Could give you a real edge. Should we be changing our approach to player selection then based on yardage, based on all the bonuses that you see? How about our approach? How does it change? Yeah, so I mean, basically what, what it does is uh, what we found at each position on DraftKings is that uh, players hit their tournament value or tournament multiplier at a much higher rate uh, simply by reaching these yardage totals. And and that three points, it might not seem like much, but you're getting half of a touchdown or 30 yards or three catches, however you want to look at it. That's a big uptick in scoring. And, and often if you're playing in these big tournaments, we see uh, if you're watching the leaderboard, say you're kind of close. If if you get a, a catch for 20 yards, you might go from, I don't know, 150th place to 50th place. Like those, those three points can really make a difference. Uh, so what we saw is we'll just start with quarterbacks uh, on DraftKings, almost 20% higher chance of hitting your GPP value on DraftKings compared to FanDuel. And when I say the, the GPP value uh, for quarterbacks, usually it's, we're looking at, at three X on FanDuel, four X on, on DraftKings, uh, on, on at quarterback, we want four and a half X just because quarterback scoring is a little bit flatter. They tend to hit their uh, value multipliers a little bit more often, but 20% more often we saw quarterbacks hitting that GPP value multiplier if they went over 300 yards on DraftKings. All right. So there you go. The quarterback at 300, hundred yard running backs over 10% more running backs hit the tourney value on DK. So running backs with 100-yard games, uh, but fewer than two TDs still hit the tourney value. It really is a a fascinating aspect to DK, and it's going to give you an edge if you can master this year. So get into the running backs and the wide receivers a little little deeper too because the 100-yard wide receivers, 71% of those hit four times uh, value on DK, and 50% hit three times on FanDuel. Yeah, and and for those that are are new to DFS or just tun- tuning into the uh, to the podcast and aren't familiar with these value multipliers, just imagine that uh, say a player's priced uh, six thousand dollars on on DraftKings. If we divide that by hundred, we get we get six, and then if we multiply it by four, that's twenty four. So when we're talking about four x, that's that's what we're talking about relative to their salary. So just wanted to clear that up for for some of you. But yeah, starting at running back. Uh, what we saw pretty much across the board was that these 100-yard games for receiving or, or rushing and these 300-yard games uh, passing, those are obviously very good games. So across the board, regardless of the site, these players were hitting cash value at a very high rate. Um, but on on DraftKings, if we'll start with just the running backs, almost 60% of these 100-yard backs hit their tournament value on DraftKings, whereas under 50% hit their tournament value on Fandle just from hitting the 100-yard bonus. And again, that goes right back to scoring those those three extra points. And the interesting thing about that with the running backs is that what it showed is it really diminishes the need to have a running back on that that scores multiple touchdowns. Uh, you don't need that goal line usage as much on DraftKings. And that was evidenced uh, by the percentage of players that, went for 100 yards, but didn't score two touchdowns. So those players with 100 yards on the ground, but less than two touchdowns, 50% of the time, they still hit 
4X on DraftKings. If we look at the 100-yard rushers on FanDuel that didn't score multiple touchdowns, they hit tournament value only 33% of the time. So that's a really big difference. You you can't just target game script on FanDuel. You need players to also be getting the goal line usage. Where on DraftKings, if you find a running back that's going to get positive game script, but maybe their team throws a lot in the red zone, that player can still be a very valuable tournament option more often than they will on the other side. Yeah, it's just two it's two completely different strategies when you look at a FanDuel mm-hmm. and it's like going even though it's half point PPR and FanDuel, it's like going in and playing a standard league. And on the and you could find an edge still with yeah. some pass catching backs, but that's I treat it more like a standard league and then obviously the PPR and DK. Uh yeah, and yeah. The uh the difference on that is it's not more exaggerated on at the wide receiver position, but uh, the percentage is a lot higher when we look at those receivers that hit the 100 yard bonus. So if a wide receiver hit hundred yards last season, they hit their tournament value 65% of the time on DraftKings. So it, they're even because it's full PPR, because they're implementing uh, all those catches in the scoring as well. If you find a, a receiver that's consistently hitting 100 yards or at least has a chance to hit 100 yards uh the chance of them hitting that tournament value is very very high so the players like the antonio browns the keenan allens uh they do have have high red zone target shares but they don't need to convert those on DraftKings. so you might see weeks where winning lineups on DraftKings might have an antonio brown or a keenan allen because of that bonus and if we look at the winning lineups on fanduel if those players didn't score Maybe those lineups with Antonio Brown or Keenan Allen didn't do as well. All right, so then there's the tight end position. And Rob Gronkowski last year had three 100-yard games. It's pretty impressive for a tight end. He went 168, 147, had a 116-yard game. So that's there's only a couple of guys that are going to give you a shot at that, and he's one of them. I, Kelsey and possibly, I mean, maybe Zach Ertz starting to creep up in there, but how about the hundred yard tight end? Because if you hit a hundred yard tight end on DK, you are sitting pretty. Yeah. And it's, it's a pretty rare thing to do uh, at the tight end position. We only saw 18 tight ends hit 100 yards last year. So uh, the sample size is a little small here, but we did, a, we did a similar study last year and those, the results were very similar. Uh, so if we expanded out to two years, these numbers didn't fluctuate much, but when you can find that tight end, 82% of those 100 yard tight ends hit tournament value on DraftKings. So basically that 100-yard bonus, because there are so few tight ends that do well and score a lot of points, that extra three points really sees those tight ends jump up the leaderboard. Whereas on FanDuel, only 47% of those tight ends hit tournament value. And and that's really surprising because you think if only 18 tight ends uh, scored uh, or gained 100 yards all year, then they should really be shooting up those tournament value ranks. But on FanDuel, it's just so reliant on touchdowns. On, on DraftKings, when you have that that extra bonus, when you get those points for full PPR, it just really changes the outlook of how these winning lineups are are being constructed. Yeah, well, Kelsey had four 100-yard games. Gronk had three 100-yard games. Ertz had one. He had two games over 90 yards. But I mean, you basically know who you're going to have to – you're going to have to pay up. In order to get a hundred yeah, yards, if game. if you want that, if you want that bonus, and 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 again, since it only happened eighteen times at tight end, uh, it's not something that that you necessarily need to be chasing. Uh, but it's very interesting when we get into uh, these the the predictability of these things, how you can find these tight ends, and uh, it, it definitely does give you an advantage at the position when you can find it. All right, like you said, um, you you could find. GPP plays on DraftKings without scoring a ton of TDs. You need those TDs on FanDuel. So, absolutely. Is any of this predictable? How can we predict the guys that are going to throw for 300, run for 100, catch for 100? Yeah, I mean, all this data is nice, but uh, if, if we can't take it and try to figure out how we can exploit uh, the scoring system or find an advantage. Uh, none of it really matters. It's just kind of explanatory, not predictable. But the, the most obvious thing that we want to do is go back and, and look at Vegas trends, look at teams that are favored, teams that are winning the games, uh, teams that are scoring a lot. And again, I, I touched on how rare the tight end, the 100-yard game from a tight end was. But when we look at these trends, the position that was most reliant on favorable game script on positive trends from Vegas was the tight end position. The tight end saw 
uh, that that gained 100 yards in a the game. They saw an average spread of uh, minus 2.7, which is the largest at any position. They were favorites over 70% of the time. They're on the winning team 88% of the time, and their average implied point total was 24.7, the only position that saw – uh, a bonus with an average implied point total above 24. So it, it really highlights, and I think it often goes overlooked. I think this is where an edge can be had. Uh, people talk about game script with running backs and quarterbacks a lot, but if we're looking for upside, tight ends really rely on that uh, positive game script on teams not being way behind because if, if teams are behind, they're probably eliminating the tight end. They're looking for their wide receivers a bit more, looking for their big playmakers. Uh, but that positive game script where they continue to push the ball down the field, where they can sustain drives, continue to use their tight end in the red zone where they're going to find themselves more often, it's really important. I think it's really fascinating because it's just a position that people don't talk about a lot with with positive game script, uh, but so many studies that we've done at four for four show the influence of positive game script on tight end upside. But what about quarterbacks and running backs? Do they need a good game script too? They do, and and this is interesting because again we we talk about the quarterbacks and running backs a lot in terms of upside and and consistency in these games and. If you look at the numbers on the surface, looking at these players that hit these bonuses, it doesn't look like it's that important. It actually looks like it's something that that uh, you might be able to ignore. And there's some credence to that, but also you have to dig a little bit deeper and see what these numbers really mean. So of all of the players that hit a bonus last year, uh, of the quarterbacks, only 59% were favorites of running backs only 55 percent were favorites and i think that's probably the one that's going to surprise people the most but uh there there's a couple of caveats here the quarterbacks if we look at the ones that were not favorites or on the losing teams uh a third of those came in games where the opposing quarterback or the winning quarterback also had a 300 yard game so to to turn that around and make it a little easier to understand only 27% of 300-yard quarterbacks last year came on teams that lost the game where the opposing quarterback didn't have 300 yards. So unless you have a quarterback that's a favorite or is on the other side of a game that is likely to shoot out, you're going to have a really hard time finding a quarterback with upside. So don't just look at this and say, oh, only 58%, 59% of these 300-yard quarterbacks came from favorites. It's a crapshoot. That's not the case. We're still looking for those correlation plays. So anything else you'd like to add to this before we take a complete left turn and talk about the weather? <laughs> yeah, um, I, I did want to mention one more thing with the running backs. Only 55% of these running backs that hit the 100-yard bonus came from favorites, but 80% came from the winning team. Uh, so th that means that a lot of the time, you have to find the upset. And this is a really interesting spot because this is where I think you could really find some leverage on the field. Whereas a lot of these DFS players are only focusing on running backs that are favorites. If, if we can zero in on these teams that have some indication where there might be an upset, whether it be line movement, whether it be an injury, whether it be a, a spread that's only a couple points or a team that's a home underdog, there is a lot of meat on the bone there for those running backs because we see a very large percent of these big game running backs coming on teams that pulled off the upset. So look for these indicators where things might not go the way we expect from Vegas. And, and, and there's a lot of leverage to be had in predicting these big games. If we look at the overall sample, 45% of DraftKings bonuses last year came on teams that were underdogs. And, and I already kind of outlined where those came from. So look for those quarterbacks and correlation games. Look for those running backs that might pull off the upset uh, wide receivers. We know it doesn't matter much for game script, but uh, some really interesting points in terms of predicting these big games from players. Well, I, I play a lot of survivor pools mm -hmm. and, and that to me is, and I'm digging and I'm trying to find, you know, the safest play there always. So maybe it'll be worth it. Looking at some games. I feel uncomfortable with, with the favorites and, because yeah, you're looking it, for any type of edge whatsoever, and if you can call, if you can bank that upset, I don't like betting a bit against the spread. I just, mm -hmm. I, I don't like doing it. I think Vegas t does too good a job of it. I do like betting game totals, but I tell you, man, if if you can find any type of edge, and then if you think that there is a team that is going to pull the upset that week, then you can make that correlation bang. Maybe that'll give you a nice advantage. 
Yeah, and and that's I mean, if if we're looking at at those type of things, like there there's a lot of indicators of how the public is thinking, and and something like a survivor pool, uh, you can get a really good indication of how people are thinking about teams. So in a survival pool, those teams that are the most popular, they're usually the biggest favorites. They're usually going to be the highest owned in DFS. Like there's a lot of overlap with all of those things. And, and I mean, this is kind of a, a tangent here, but if you're playing in a survivor pool, you got to think about think about it in terms of DFS ownership. We're thinking about game theory here. So if there's two teams favored by a touchdown, those are going to be the most popular picks. Most likely you have a huge edge in taking a, a team that is a slightly less favorite, but it's going to be way more in DFS terms under owned. Right. So all these things kind of tie into each other. Yeah, man. Patriots, saints, Ravens, mm-hmm. lions, all big favorites week one. Although, and we'll get into it next week a little bit more. I do wonder how many people are going to actually going to be in the lions in week one. Uh, despite their massive, uh, I think it's what, six, six point favorites at home in week one. But there will be no weather impact there. They play indoors in Detroit, but it is time now to move on to the impacts of weather. And it's been a great two part series on four for four by Chris Allen. Great young mind here in, uh, in DFS and fantasy football. And let's get into it because the, the one thing I took away from you guys over the last couple of years. There is an advantage to be had when it snows. And we'll get into snow, but there's an advantage. And last year, there was a big snow game, and LaShawn McCoy had a monster game, a breakout run for a touchdown late in that one. And there's ways to get an advantage with weather, and there's ways to hurt yourself with weather, too. So let's get to the Vegas projections. Rain, wind, snow. Um, Tell me about the advantages, disadvantages we can have in these different type of conditions. Yeah. So like you mentioned, Chris did a really good two-part series on this. Uh, For our purposes here, we're just going to look at part one, which is uh, the league-wide trends he looked at. And there's a couple really big takeaways. Uh, Not not a ton of points here, but a couple points that I think are really important to drive home in terms of uh, changing how we should think about teams when these weather conditions do come up. Because what Chris found is that Vegas isn't necessarily taking the factors into account as much as uh, maybe they should. So rain, wind, and snow games, on average, they've produced, uh, Vegas has produced a a total where the scoring actually falls short of that Vegas projection. So on average, even with weather factored in to these lines, teams are still typically scoring fewer points than projected uh, when there is rain, wind, or snow overall. Okay, so that's that's a big that's a big note uh, nugget right there. So you got to have the leverage to find the games that might go under, yeah, and high on especially in high owned ones, yeah. Right? Because a lot of these times we'll have a, if we have two great offenses, say, um, say you have I don't know, um, Saints and the Falcons are a bad example because they both play indoors. But let's say we have the the Saints and and Packers. The, let's say Saints and Packers in in Lambeau. Um, in December, these are two dynamic offenses because, and, and because of that, their total is going to be very high. So even even if there is say snow and wind, maybe their game total drops from fifty to forty eight, and that forty eight point total is still going to drive a lot of people to that game in DFS. And while their ownership, say I don't know, uh, say a Julio, maybe his ownership drops from thirty five to thirty percent the biggest leverage we have in DFS is leveraging that ownership. So we know that on average, these games tend to go under. So even though the public might be adjusting their, their projections and their ownership a little bit, we can go to these other receivers who are elite that might not be as in good of a matchups, but we know that they're still going to be over owned those players in the Packers and, and, and Falcons game and fade them a little bit more than we might. Uh, that's where this information is really helping us dominate in DFS. Yeah. And the snow and the winter, the two biggest influences on mm-hmm. quarterbacks. I mean, the rain there really hasn't found much of a, a negative correlation, but snow and wind, right? And not just on quarterbacks, but on how the teams are passing the ball. Uh, so what we found is the snow games impact the quarterbacks in the passing game, not so much because the weather is changing the game, but because coaches are adjusting. Uh, we've found, or Chris found, significantly fewer average passes in snow games than in any other weather condition, which is really interesting because what we've come to know 
uh, or what the the narrative is, is the wind is what really hurts uh, passing. But it, it's at the very least, whether it be individual coaches or just on a league wide level uh, or a trust issue, teams are throwing less in the snow. So even though the efficiency is there and and the yards per attempt and and the the scoring averages don't change that much, it's the the volume where we really see a big drop in the snow. Yep, the wide receivers get the decrease and the running backs get the increase in the snow. That's something to remember um, when the snow comes. Unfortunately, we don't get that many big snow games anymore, but when we do, we see the running backs explode. Yeah, and and I think it's it's a double it's it's double um, impact there because, like I mentioned, not only are these coaches imp- impacting the play calling and passing less, but when they do pass, they're throwing, uh, they're throwing passes to the running backs more. We saw a really big jump in target share for the running backs and a really big drop in target share for wide receivers when they're snow games. So I think people tend to just avoid these games as a whole when there's weather. But what Chris found is there might be a really big edge to be had to all things being equal if ownership is being driven down because of weather, the running back in the good situation, assuming you have equal projections, that could be a really, really good target in DFS. All right, let's uh, completely switch it up again. And we're going to move on to injuries and the impact of injuries. I guess, well, we'll get to wide receiver in a second because Doug Baldwin has yeah. got his own issue. and We could use him as an example, but we'll start with quarterbacks because is there any impact we see whatsoever of a quarterback on the injury report under whether it be concussion protocol, broken arm, broken leg, whatever he's playing with? If he's on the in- injury report, but he's playing, is there much of an impact? Yeah, this is a study that went up on on four for four. You can find it in the DFS Strategy Hub uh, under how injuries impact. Uh, player performance and fantasy. It's a study that was done by our boy, Chris Raybon last year. And in a nutshell, uh, it doesn't really matter if a quarterback's on an injury report report. And that makes a lot of sense because just think about what a quarterback does and, and how he works. Most of the quarterbacks um, are, are not Cam Newton or Russell Wilson. And it's pretty much illegal to breathe on a quarterback at this point. So if they're in the game, unless they have some severe shoulder injury or something like that where they can barely throw, which in that case, they're probably not playing in anyway. Uh, we don't see much fluctuation in their, in, whether they're on the injury report, how they're designated on the injury report, or if they're completely healthy uh, quarterbacks, it just doesn't impact quarterback scoring. So if you have a concern about, about quarterback on the injury report, uh, there's probably an edge to be had there just because I, I, I don't think most people are, quantifying or have quantified what these injury tags mean and just by nature there's going to be people are risk averse and and they're going to be less likely to play a quarterback with an injury tag and if you have a a philip rivers and um, a ben roethlisberger rated similar similarly and big bins on the injury report which he'll definitely let you know about uh, there might be an edge to having some big ben there all right so let's move on to the running backs you would think anything in the lower body um, foot, ankle, those are the type of things that you're going to want to stay away from. But uh, hand and finger injuries, interestingly enough, also can take away from a running back's production, TJ. That that stood out to me. Yeah, and what we are looking at here is, is overall, uh, all of these skill positions saw roughly 10% drop in production just being on the injury report period. So if you have a skill position player on the injury report, in my my generic advice is going to be they're probably not a cash game option because there's going to be a lot of fluctuation in their results relative to their scoring averages. But how these specific injuries impacted uh, scoring is is what was really interesting to me. So the the ankle, hand, and finger injuries for the running backs. Um, They've impacted production, but mostly because they've seen a dip in volume. So that what that tells me is when a running back has an ankle, hand, or finger injury, uh, the the coaches are are going to be a little more cautious with them in terms of giving them touches. So it's not the efficiency that is so much dropping off, but uh, you really have to worry about a lack in volume. And I would say probably that is going to directly impact like what I talked about cash games, where we're really worried about that volume. Um, foot injury, foot injuries didn't impact volume so much. We've seen that over this entire study that 
running backs designated with a foot injury continued to to see similar volume. Uh, but uh, what we saw the most was the diminished yards per carry, the diminished efficiency. Uh, so if, if a player's designated with a foot injury, they might continue to see their 20 touch workload, but they've been way less effective. And then if we, we nail those foot injuries down to specifically toe injuries uh, across the board, just a dip in volume, a dip in efficiency. If you see a not just a regular fit injury, but specifically a toe injury for the running back, that probably takes them off the board and cash and GPPs. And then there's the wide receiver position. Now, lower body injuries is what you're really, really concerned about with the wide receivers. And I know that there's there's hamstrings, there's foots, there's ankles. But I don't remember there being much about a knee. And here, like a, a Doug Baldwin who comes out and says, Listen, I'm not 100%. I'm going to be about 80, 85%. He's just not going to be there this season. I, I'm still questioning as to how much you can trust him because of that knee, but is there much data there? Because from what I know that you guys have dug up, it's more ankle and foot and hands. Yeah, really interesting. Uh, the knee showed up as uh, the second most common injury to uh, to wide receivers. Um Sorry, let me get this. Uh, no, the, the the most common injury to wide receivers. I'm sorry. Uh, 270 instances in this study uh, for wide receivers. The drop off was pretty much uh, with in line with what we saw. Uh, percentage of of PPR points per game a drop off of about 12. Uh, so it's it's in line with it. But in terms of uh, their their efficiency or volume, it was it was pretty even. So it just kind of went in line with with what we saw from those lower body injuries. There weren't too many extreme results in terms of efficiency or volume drop off. It was just kind of in line with the rest of the injuries. Uh, a couple other lower leg injuries had a little more distinctive um, uh, influences on how these receivers tend to perform. So then you right the ankle, the foot, the uh, the concussions was an right. interesting yeah. one. Those though. that was interesting it, for wide receivers. Right, it, and and I don't have an explanation as to why those specifically stood out, but what we saw was a a twenty three percent drop off in targets when wide receivers were designated with a uh, concussion status. So their their volume dropped down quite a bit when designated with a concussion. Again, the don't have the explanation for why that is, but I think it's definitely worth noting that that volume drop off is, is pretty noticeable. So last but not least the tight ends and uh, ankles and knees again, coming up R- really anything with Rob Gronkowski, <laughs> he, he can try <laughs> every week. It's something else. So let's just take Gronkowski out of the equation here. Ankles, knees, once again, Try and you know try and get away from that because that's and I think that not only pointing out that the ankle ankle and the knee injuries uh, were the most detrimental to to tight end usage, but what weren't impacted as much uh, compared to wide receivers, things like foot and hamstrings. Sure, there was still a little bit of a negative drop off for tight ends, but um, probably not having to be as as fast twitch, probably not having to uh, to make those quick motions that wide receivers need to get open. Tight ends are relying a, a lot more on their size, a lot more on on moving other players off of their spot. So those weight bearing joints, the ankles and the knee, kind of make sense when you think about how a tight end plays. Uh, so so that's interesting to know, not just what does affect them, but what doesn't affect them as much. So the thing I've been most looking forward to doing the show is running down the players week to week with you. And of course, the game theory is kind of what sets the show apart. But I'm looking forward to let's talk about some players here because the salaries came out maybe what a month ago and we're talking You go, man, somebody's going to get hurt. We're going to get a free square and there haven't been any free squares. Okay, there just there haven't been. But. There have been some guys, and I try not to overreact to preseason, but you can learn some things in the preseason. I think more than anything else, we've learned about a couple of kids with the Denver Broncos who are really talented that may be on the field and getting volume. I think we've seen Michael Gallup out in Dallas have an opportunity. I think we're, we're hey, how about Adrian Peterson? Let's just start right there. Here's a guy that DraftKings, he's an invisible ghost. Um, he's not even there, right? They haven't even added him. Adrian Peterson, though, is 6,300 on FanDuel. 
And he goes into a system where Jay Gruden just loves running the football. He's going to get the football a lot. He looks spry. I, I can't imagine him being able to run like he does for 16 games at his age. But I think, you know, if we're talking to, hey, we're, we're in the DFS business, this might be an opportunity where Adrian Peterson is actually in play in a GPP on FanDuel. Yeah, and like you mentioned, we, we kind of did a, a first look at these salaries when they dropped uh, on the podcast, and next week we'll be getting into our favorite plays. And these are, like you said, just some of the guys that, that fall in between that we might not be able to get to, but we have time before week one, so why not? Adrian Peterson, uh, 6,300 on FanDuel, a player that uh, it looks like he's going to get the majority of the first and second down work for Washington. My concern is the same concern I had with Darius guys. Uh, Chris Thompson isn't going into the season 100%, but we know that Gruden likes to throw a lot to his running back, specifically on third down. Thompson was a guy that was uh, a pro, was on track to see 17% of the Redskins targets, which would have been among the most of any running back in the past five years. And the Redskins also like to throw in the red zone uh, specifically to their running back. So Adrian Peterson, we've seen him try to get early down work. It didn't work out with the Saints. It worked out for what one and a half games with the Cardinals last year. I think he had two decent games. Uh, but my same concerns with guys are the concerns I have with Peterson. I, I just don't know that there's enough of a first and second down role in this offense uh, to make Peterson a viable play, unless you think that Washington's just going to go out, go in there and, and blow out the Cardinals, which I don't think is a given. You and I were talking about this off air. I think Cardinals are probably uh, a little bit better than most people think. I don't think they'll be great, but David Johnson obviously gives them a ton of versatility. They have at least a serviceable, serviceable quarterback. So unless I saw Washington with, um, I don't know, like a, like a six point line, or I thought that it was a line that they could, they could overcome and really outperform. I'd be more excited. I just don't see that in this spot. No. And again, Sam Bradford's a quarterback, Sam Bradford, can can help a team win games when he's got weapons around him. And David Johnson is the ultimate weapon, and Larry Fitzgerald is still there, and they're still looking for some other wide receivers, some help there. But you know, I, I to think that there's going to be a um, a positive game script. Just oh, you know, the, the Redskins will be playing a touchdown ahead the whole time. I'm I'm not buying and that. And you whatsoever. can't just assume that and not Adrian Peterson's well, not going to reinvent himself. At what is he 33, and all of a sudden start catching balls out of the backfield? Like it's it's too. We don't need to. You right. just can't expect that. But the thing that is interesting, again, Gruden loves running the football. Unfortunately, a lot on first down. Just, I mean, it's so yeah. predictable. But, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the goal line carries are going to Adrian Peterson. So what you're hoping there is to get a touchdown or two. It's 6,300. It's not like they priced them down to where it's nothing. But this game is is basically a pick em at this point. It's, it's a toss-up. So I think that Adrian Peterson will be a pretty low owned player. And it sounds to me like you're not really high on him. And I'm thinking GPP low exposure at the just low exposure to him. I, I do want to have just a tiny, tiny bit just in case he gets a couple goal line. Yeah. And if there, there is a case to be made um, that he ends up having some ownership higher than expected, like a, I don't know, like a 7% ownership or something. We did see some uh, pretty surprising results on last weekend was dubbed National Draft Weekend, and and we saw a lot of casual leagues ask for some tweets of of crazy draft picks, and there was a lot of Adrian Peterson going in single digit rounds. Uh, week one in DFS is when we see the biggest influx of casual players. So if there is some surprise ownership on a player, it could be Adrian Peterson just because there are a lot of new players, a lot of novice players on these sites. And Adrian Peterson's kind of the, the buzzy name in these last couple of weeks of preseason. So there, you might think that you can be overweight on Adrian Peterson with maybe 5% and might be surprised and actually end up just kind of being on par with the field. So that's something to consider. All right, so there's two rookie running backs that have stood out to me during the preseason. And one guy's with the Raiders might not even make it, Chris Warren. He, Chris Warren the third, I should say. And, oh, I just, his dad hit me up the other day because I was, I was barking. His dad's from D.C. He was a three-time Pro Bowl. He played for the Seattle Seahawks 
And this this guy has just been tearing it up in preseason DFS. I hope he makes the team. But the other guy, a lot more you know about, and Royce Freeman is looking to be a first and second down workhorse for the Broncos. I'm still worried that he's going to get sniped on third down. But again, I'm looking at FanDuel here and Royce Freeman tied with Warren for those three touchdowns leading the preseason running backs. Here's a guy that I don't see being highly owned and a guy that I mean, he, he could find the end zone again. Week one. It's Love a spot him. where coach speak could depress ownership. Uh, uh, Vance Joseph is kind of playing hardball, trying to say that the rookie's not going to start um, over to over Devonte Booker. But Royce Freeman uh, is the player that has been really shining in preseason. Uh, Fifteen for eighty-four and three touchdowns in the preseason. We talked about there aren't a lot of of cheaper minimum price guys. Royce Freeman priced at six thousand on Fanduel, forty-five hundred dollars on DraftKings, and this is a game that you and I pegged in our initial. Uh, breakdown of the Fanduel pricing as a maybe a sneaky game stack. Uh, the the further along that preseason has uh, has got, we talked about the the Doug Baldwin injury a little bit. Seattle's offensive line kind of in shambles. They they have a, a running back rotation, or they they don't know if Chris Carson's a starter. Just a, a lot of question marks with Seattle. The closer we get to kickoff, the more it looks like that if this game does go one way, it could be uh, Denver and. If that happens, and we talked about the these receivers might be popular because Seattle's secondary is is not what we've seen before. So if a lot of people are targeting this Denver passing game, uh, Freeman could be an interesting pivot off people that are targeting this passing game. And so far this preseason, Case Keenum loves Emmanuel Sanders and Cortland Sutton. You want to talk about a guy going up at the high point and just beating the defender. He's done it time and time again here in the preseason. So it looks as though, just through a few games in preseason, that Denver drafted well, but Cortland Sutton's another guy. What what is he? He's like 4,700. He's less than Michael Gallup on FanDuel, and he's 3.6 on DK. Another thing that we talked about in our initial pricing breakdown of of FanDuel is that – Emmanuel Sanders has seen pretty steady increase in slot work. Uh, last year, I think you saw almost a third of his snaps in the slot. But uh, Adam Levitan pointed this out uh, on DraftKings, actually, that Emmanuel Sanders has ran basically two-thirds of his routes in the slot. So basically what that's telling us, you're not going to keep Emmanuel Sanders off the field. And if he's running mostly in the slot, that means Sutton is going to see a, a lot of snaps. And again, I, I targeted Manny and Demarius because I think the Seattle secondary is is going to be very suspect. And, and what we've seen in the past is Denver's had a very concentrated passing attack. This might be the year where that changes, where the targets are a little more spread out because they're playing more three wide receiver sets with a reliable slot receiver in Emmanuel Sanders. And if that happens, that means Corlin Sutton, at least in week one, is going to be very underowned because the two big names, Manny and Demarius, are the ones that people are going to know. And I, I, this is a secondary to target in the Seahawks. And if you need to free up salary, if you're looking to to build a unique lineup, because a lot of people just aren't going to have, maybe they'll find one min price player, but they're not going to have multiple min price price players because there's aren't that many. Uh, Corlin Sutton might be worth a look. I mean, he opens up a lot of room. And then that gets us to our next guy, Michael Gallup, who kind of burst on the scene when Dez hit him for a 30-yard touchdown. Hasn't done much the rest of the preseason, but let's face it, there's no number one wide receiver in Dallas right now. Nobody has run away with this job. And Gallup, even when he scored that touchdown, I mean, it wasn't like he burned the the cornerback, but if he gets some opportunities at 5.5 on FanDuel and, and 4K on DK, Here's a guy that could get some opportunities given the yeah, matchup. Yeah, obviously, he's going up people look at, at this Dallas offense and they think that uh, the offense is, is going to be ran through Ezekiel Elliott because they don't really have any receivers to pass to. And that makes sense. But they're playing against the Panthers, who were a secondary to target last year, and they go into the season ranked uh, 26 in 4 for 4s adjusted fantasy points allowed to opposing wide receivers. So uh, Gallup, at, at the very least, he's a guy that 
there's no one else on the roster besides Hearn. So how does Gallup not play 85% of their snaps? It's, it's almost impossible that it doesn't happen. And, and the interesting thing about these men price guys, I, I mentioned Sutton as, as a possible option, but the reason I think finding a men price receiver is going to be important is because, uh, now the Jacksonville receivers, uh, Edie Westbrook and, um, who got hurt? Who just got hurt? For Mar- yeah, and Keelan Cole are going to be Cole. very popular because Marquise Lee got injured. We, one of the things we were talking about going into Week One is we don't know who the Jacksonville receiver to target is. Well, now with Marquise Lee out of the picture, those two wide receivers are probably going to be pretty popular in Week One. And when we have popular players to a specific price point, we want to look for those price pivots. And at the very least, Gallup fills that that void. Yep. Uh, let's move on to the New England passing game. So Decker just retired. Edelman is out f- on suspension. Who does that leave for Tom Brady to go to besides <laughs> I mean, for Gronkowski? I, it, I don't even know at this point besides Hogan and Gronk, but the, the Patriots are a team that's going to have one of the highest implied point totals of the week. Uh, we know that they're going to throw it a fair amount. We know they're going to get their running backs involved, and they're really big favorites. Uh, but they're they're just lacking on depth. It's only Hogan and Gronk. Those guys' ownership is going to be through the roof. Kind of like I talked about with Gallup, someone's going to need to be on the field, and that guy's probably going to be Philip Dorsett. How is he going to be used? Is he is he going to be targeted a lot? Probably not. But if he's on the field for 75% of the snaps for what's probably going to be one of the most popular offense tar- offensive targets in the league and in that Patriots offense – I, I think you have to at least think about uh, Philip Dorsett because he's going to see so many snaps. And then James White, Rex Burkhead, and Sony Michelle have knee injuries now. Burkhead uh, was limited in the preseason with his knee, and I, I think he's going to be fine for week one. But all of a sudden, James White looks like a player that can easily see double-digit touches in one of the best backfield situations in the league. So will I have much of Philip Dorsett? I don't know if I'll have any. Uh, James White is a player that's going to be really interesting, but you have to consider these options when we're looking at these offenses as a whole, especially if you decide that you want to play a bunch of Patriot stacks. There's not going to be a lot of ways to make unique lineups because so many people are going to be on Gronk and Hogan that you, you got to think about these guys and, and pouring out for my man, Eric Decker. I'm going to miss you, buddy. Uh, while you pour one out for Eric Decker, I'm just going to pour one out for <laughs> all of us that don't start Jeremy Hill after he beats out Gillespie and gets right? four goal line carries week one. That's all I'm going to say. It's going to happen, and everybody's going to just throw stuff. At it. It's a hundred percent going to happen. Last but not least, the Browns. You've got Carlos Hyde. You got Duke Johnson. Nick Chubb's back there. Um, the interesting one here, I think, is Duke Johnson. To, mm-hmm. to me, it just seems like he's always the forgotten man. But if you're if you're playing some Browns, if you like what's going on, and you think that the game script has them down, why not? One of the biggest situations that we talked about this offseason and, and one of the biggest surprises uh, was when the Browns drafted Nick Chubb because all of a sudden we had three running backs on a team that probably isn't very good. And the way it looked, it just set up to be in a, a situation where you completely avoid. But we, the point of, of this segment is to kind of look at these players that have risen or situations that have changed in preseason. And one of the most obvious things that we saw, especially in, in like the dress rehearsal is what we like to call week three, is that Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson dominated first half starter touches, uh, 20 for Hyde, 19 for Johnson compared to just one for Chubb. So it looks like we're going to have some pretty defined roles. The role that was never really in question in my mind was Duke Johnson is the third down pass catching back. And preseason has kind of reiterated that with his pretty much even uh, snap share with Carlos Hyde. Throughout the season, that's going to be highly dependent on game script. Uh, I, I still think the Browns are probably going to be a pretty bad team. Uh, in the first week, they're underdogs by five and a half or six points. Duke Johnson, only 5800 on FanDuel, $4,700 on DraftKings, where you get that PPR value, uh, negative game script against Pittsburgh. I talked about when we're looking at these these bonus plays, there were only seven running backs that, that got a 100-yard receiving bonus last year. Duke Johnson might get one of those right off the bat in week one and an underdog that's going to be heavily utilized. That's going to be on the field a lot. Uh, that that might be one of those spots to just throw in a couple shares of Duke at 4,700 on DK. I'm getting all excited. 
I'm all full of Fanta. Get ready for uh, next week as we run down all the all the players and the pricing and building our lineups. Next, next so, week's the real. I'm just so next jacked. Week's the real deal, DJ, man. this is what it's all about right our here. Final, our our official week yeah. one podcast next week. Uh, we have a lot coming at four for four. I, I, I we, if you sign up for four four newsletter, uh, then today when this podcast comes out you'll see in your email a breakdown of everything we're going to be offering in the DFS package. If you haven't signed up for it and you want to go to four for four, sign up. Uh, you don't even have to pay, just sign up for the newsletter and you'll get a preview of what we're going to be offering in the DFS package this year. I'm going to be breaking down both slates, cash and GPP Fandal and DraftKings. Uh, really big breakdowns next week. It's going to be a huge week one. Uh, lots of things in the store. I'm really excited for week one, man. I'm, I don't know if I've been this excited for a season since uh, since my first full-time year. Well, yeah, since last year. Now, this year I'm really last pumped. I, I I really like uh, what's going on this year. I'm, I'm going to go hard at a couple uh, at a couple things in DFS this year, a little harder than I've went the last couple of years, and I think it's going to be a good year, man. Well, you guys, I mean, you, you got a little more responsibility on your plate too, because so you're the man now. So we're all, yeah, it's it's time. It's time. You, you're just you're running with the show. So I'm looking forward to it. I've been reading everything. I like. I also like the fact you brought Pat James on. You got him doing some stuff. The rest of the site, we've got some great. It just again, I'm going to tell people this. If you just listen to us, I was up at a our, our fantasy football conference in Minneapolis with these guys. And I can't tell you how many guys in the industry come up and say, oh man, you know, we subscribe to your site, but they don't want to tell anybody. So it's not just like you, if you're subscribed, and this sounds like a sales pitch and it is, but it's also legitimately the truth. I would never tell anyone that I use the site. Never. It was my secret weapon. The guys in the industry use this as a secret weapon. <laughs> it, it works, man. It just has made me so much a better player. And now I have a chance yeah. to be with you guys. This is awesome. I'm looking forward to it. And you're going to bring Ooh, it up. Boy. I'm also going to throw the name Cam Meredith out there because we haven't talked about him and he really didn't do anything in the preseason. But I do wonder yeah, if it's I have a feeling side. we'll have some Please Cam, go back to the uh, secret weapon week. Talk. But I mean, a lot of that's powered by JP. John Paulson's projections are, are what power our lineup generator. We have some proprietary uh, value metrics in there. But without John's projections, I mean, this our, our DFS tool would be nothing. And, and he makes them. He, he really puts out, I mean, I build my lineups on four for four. That's that's it's not only because I work there. Like there's a lot of options to to use lineup generators, and because of the projections that John makes, it it makes everything we do on our DFS side really valuable. And if you sign up, you get access to that. And I mean, I've been going through the week one rankings on on FanDuel and DraftKings and the lineup generator, and there there's some some spicy lineups you can make this week. All right, my man. Remember, if you want to sign up. Do the right thing. Get yourself the DFS package here on 444.com. Use the code DFSMVP. DFSMVP for 25% off. And uh, TJ, tell them about rate and review and say goodbye because I got to start packing and going nice. to Miami Hopefully for I'll my final vacation Florida, for the uh, season. December starts. after I qualify for a DraftKings Live final. But that's beside the point. If you like the podcast, rate and review uh, podcast on iTunes. Give us five stars. Give us a nice review. And we'll enter your name into a drawing to get a, a free 4 for 4 t-shirt. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at TJ Hernandez. Make sure you follow Holden at Holden Radio. Uh, we got a bunch of new DFS guys. Give them a shout out real quick before we get into the season. Mike Wallert, CD Carter, uh, Pat James, Ryan Hodge, uh, Josh Hermsmeyer, Kevin Zatlukal. Bang up DFS team this year. We're really excited to get things started. And if you're new to DFS, especially DraftKings, make sure you go check out my Twitter. There's uh, there's a really cool promotion on there for you guys too. I got two more things to say. First of all, I got a new podcast called Fantasy First. Uh, every morning, I get you all the fantasy football news that you need in less than 10 minutes. It's weekdays. It's actually, I mean, we're building a, a base here. It's pretty damn good. Sometimes TJ, I get his analysis on there. And uh, of course, Paulson has the most accurate podcast, which is which is huge as well. He gets his picks on a weekly basis. And then last but not least, when you qualify, I'm telling you right now, we can pull this audio when it happens. When you <laughs> okay. qualify for the live final, I'm going to be your hype man. Now, you can tell me to get the hell away from you, but I'm going to be It'll your be hype party. man. Everyone, I'm going to be there by your side. There. You can win some damn money. I'll see you next week, buddy. I'm looking forward to it. Take care, TJ. This year, Halloween fell on the weekend. Me and Ghetto Boys are trick-or-treating. Robbing little kids for bags. 
Till an old man got behind our rags So we speeded up the pace Took a look back And he was right before our face We were in for a squab, no doubt So I swung and tried to take him out He was going down, we planned But this wasn't no ordinary man 